Welcome to Fat Love Talk. I'm your host, Zach, and this is a podcast about gaming, food, and entertainment. It is a beautiful Friday night, and we're all about E3 this week. Predictions are coming your way, but just hold on. We got a packed show for you. Stay tuned. We're about to get started. This episode is all about E3, the second week of June, a glorious time for gamers across America, across the world. The day that Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, Bethesda, Revolver Digital, Ubisoft, the whole gang get together for a family photo, and we all enjoy every minute of it. I'm Zach, again, bringing you this podcast. I'm joined today with my good friend Tyler. How's it going? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. Tell the people a little bit about yourself. We're going to go ahead and introduce ourselves. Well, man, I've been playing video games for about around two decades now. Um, you know, I, as you know, I play any number of games from racing to RPGs to action side scrollers and puzzle games. Um, from what I've seen at E3, the showcases that have been shown to us so far, I, uh, I think I have a lot to spend this year. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm really excited for Bethesda showcase particularly because it's supposed to be the longest one. And I'm curious to see why that is. I'll get more into that later, but what about you? Um, I'm thinking along the same lines. Uh, you know, I've always been a really big Bethesda fan, and I'm excited to see what they're bringing to the table this year. I was a little bit disappointed in them last year, so I'm hoping they can uh, really kind of bring it back for me this year. Uh, of course, you know, I'm a big Sony fanboy. I've been playing PlayStation consoles for years now, um, and the four big games that they have coming up, which we'll get into a little later, I- I'm really excited to see what they do with it. Absolutely. I couldn't be more in agreement. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and... Uh talk about the podcast this podcast is all about e3 like i said previously so we're going to talk about our e3 predictions this is of course the pre-show we will have a post-show podcast coming up for you at the end of the week after all the activities have concurred and the family has smiled graciously for the photo at the end of the week uh we're going to do our e3 predictions and we just did a little bit of an introduction let's go ahead and jump into this you want to talk about some uh of saturday's conference oh let's get it started all right So Saturday morning, EA is going to have their press conference. That is the Electronic Arts Conference. It's going to be 11 o'clock Pacific time, 1 p.m. Central time for us in the Midwest. Uh, And I'm currently really excited for this. There's going to be a new Anthem trailer announced. Going to be Battlefield 5 talk. Probably going to throw some FIFA in there. I don't doubt it. They're always known for that. Uh, A Way Out was actually, if you'll remember, an EA original. And A Way Out was a fantastic game. Actually, my last Platinum, now that I think about it. Um, and I'm very excited for what they're going to show for maybe a new EA Classic game coming out this year. Um, what about you? What are you thinking about EA this year? Yeah, I'm thinking along the same lines as well. Um, I'm really interested to see what they do bring to the table. I know that there's been a lot of uh, controversies regarding e, uh, you know, EA this year uh, and last year with a lot of the microtransaction issues that they've been having. Especially with Battlefront um, 2. Absolutely. And I'm hoping that they kind of turn things around starting from this point since they've seen the backlash that the gaming community has put out over that. Um, you know, of course, we're going to see some Battlefield Five. You know, there's no doubt about that. Uh, you mentioned Anthem. That's another game that I'm really keeping a close eye on. I'm not quite sure how I want to feel about it just yet, but it could be something pretty great. Um, you know, of course, uh, EA. They are um, one of the big developers, uh, big publishers. They own quite a few different companies, like I said, Dice for Battlefield. Uh, they own Respawn and a couple of other gaming studios that are pretty big. And they also have the exclusive rights to Star Wars, so you know this may just me may just be me being a little bit hopeful, but who knows? Maybe we'll see some uh, a new Star Wars game coming out. 
It could happen. I mean, if they have a new Star Wars game coming out, being a Star Wars fan myself massively into that universe, um, like a, a good like first-person, action-oriented, story-driven Star Wars game, I mean, it doesn't have to be canon. It could be between some of the films, but a good brand-new game, <laughs> I'm all behind that. Uh, you mentioned Anthem. Yeah, that game uh, last year blew me away. And the more I'm looking at it, the more I'm just like the trailer this year, the, what they announced is probably going to be a make-or-break decision for me on whether or not I want to go ahead and pre-order that because it has the potential to be just a madhouse party killer. When you go with your squad and you're going to do missions or whatever it is the objectives are in that game, it looks really fun. But think about how many other games have that same tactic and are trying to draw your attention away from other games towards them. Anthem could do that for me. Battlefield Five, brilliant. Taking away the whole season pass concept, breaking away from that mold, giving us something to say, hey, everything is free. Just buy our game. I love that concept. As a gamer, as a human being, I respect them for that. Battlefront 2 was a beautiful beta. I played the beta, didn't dive into the game too much after the launch. Um, I feel like when they took out those microtransactions and kind of reskinned the game to be what it is now, they really fixed a lot, but at that point it was too far gone, I feel like. I know they're still doing content updates with the solo movie coming out. I've seen some updates coming out, and it does look exciting. I'm sure if I gave it another chance, it would be worth the investment. But it's one of those time commitments where you got to kind of figure out what's worth my time versus, you know, another game taking my time. And, you know, EA has kind of those hit-or-miss titles, you know. I'm not big into FIFA. I'm not big into the sports titles. But, hey, Need for Speed comes out. I'll pick it up. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, just to kind of springboard off of what you said in the beginning there about Anthem, you know, about them having the similarities with a lot of other games in, you know, out that are out now today, um, it is really reminiscent of Destiny in a lot of ways. And in that sense, I'm a little bit put off. I'm not quite sure how I want to feel about that game just yet. And, of course, you know, going back into what I had mentioned earlier about the, uh, you know, the controversies with EA this year, um, I don't have a lot of trust in them as a publisher, as it stands right now as a gamer. They've really let me down as far as, you know, what they've tried to do with the microtransactions, taking a huge part of their games. Um, I am really impressed that they decided to go that route with Battlefield Five, where they're getting rid of those kinds of transactions, you know. I think that's going to be a really big turning point for them as a developer, um, and as, oh, as a publisher. Uh, but um, I, I'm still not quite sure how to feel yet. I feel like you know, they've learned a lot from the backlash that they got, and they're trying to turn things around to be, you know, in competition with, you know, the developers of Call of Duty and a lot of other shooter games that are on the market, but we'll just have to kind of wait and see what happens. You know, it's funny you mentioned Call of Duty. I mean, we're going to get into that later, of course, in our later discussions, but titles like Call of Duty and uh, the way Black Ops 4 specifically is announcing itself comes across a lot like a Ubisoft title we know called Rainbow Six Siege where you kind of have that same gameplay concept where you can have one operator or whatnot. And I'm looking at all this early conference stuff, and I'm wondering if uh, with games that are going to come out like Anthem or Battlefield, they're not doing that. They're staying away from that. They're trying to keep things fresh and original, and I can respect that. But it is going to be one of those things where you either love it or you don't. And there's going to be 50-50. People are going to hate it. People are going to love it no matter what they do Saturday morning. And, and I'm honestly just excited to see what they do because they always give a good showcase. Their showcases are so great. I love EA. They're a great, great publisher. And, I know honestly, I'm just excited to see what happens. Oh, absolutely. Just to kind of throw my own opinion in the hat onto that, 
you know, I, I've never really been a big fan of the whole operator setup for a lot of these shooter games. I feel like it kind of takes away from the experience in a way, having all these different, you know, unique special abilities and things that each person does. Uh, that could partially be my own bias. You know, I grew up with, you know, very early shooter games. Um, you know, a lot of the old Call of Duties, uh, Medal of Honor, things like that. So the whole original boots-on-the-ground system is what I grew up with. So, you know, I, I'm, I don't know. I, I try not to be too put off by what they're bringing new to the table. You know, they're always trying to capitalize on what people are interested in. They're always trying to push the mold and make something new and exciting. And we kind of just have to go along the ride for that. But, yeah, you know, like, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, we have a lot of things to look forward to. We do. You looking forward to the sports games coming out this year? <laughs> I, I, you know, I can't really say that I am. Um, I have a, a buddy of mine who's really big into the FIFA games. He buys them every year that they come out, and I've never really seen the appeal. You know, I don't get me wrong. I am a sports guy. I like to play sports and do things like that. But the idea of playing a sports game, other than uh, you know, of course, Rocket League, that's <laughs> that's a little different. Um, it, it just never really appealed to me. But you know, who knows? Maybe maybe they'll come out with something that'll change my mind. You know, I do want to end on this. Uh, I do like sports games, but I'm not big into the big AAA sports games. Uh, smaller games like SSX or whatnot really draw me in, you know, the off-sports off, off sports games. Um, and recently with the Switch coming out and the fact that, like, EA is supporting them and they have FIFA on there right now, um, as much as I love sports games, just because I could take something on the go isn't going to convince me to buy it. So I know that they're probably going to come out with, like, a FIFA 19 probably for the Switch and for, you know, other regular platforms, but it's just not going to be enough for me. I'm going to leave that to the niche audience that already is currently into those things, and I'll stay in my niche audience of shooters and platformers and big single-player story-driven games. Well, who knows, man? I mean, if uh, we see a sequel to Cool Borders coming out, you know, <laughs> I might just have to get into that. But, uh, but, yeah, I absolutely agree. You never know. They come out the next big thing. Yeah. It could happen. <laughs> Well, now that we've talked about EA quite a bit here, let's go ahead and transition over to the three Sunday conferences. I'm pretty excited about these. So Sunday is going to go into the three big conferences of that day. The first one being Microsoft's conference, 1 o'clock Pacific time, 3 o'clock Central. Make sure you tune into whatever streaming service you're going to use. Um, me personally, I'll say this up front, I grew up with Nintendo and I had a PlayStation 1. Uh, my brother had an Xbox when he was older, but I never got to play it. So I've never really grown up with the whole Microsoft experience. So I, I apologize up front if I am lacking in knowledge on that front. All I really know about Microsoft's conference is there's a rumor that they're going to announce a new Halo game. I'm not sure if it's a new title or a remaster collection possibly. With their backwards compatibility, I don't see how they would want to do a remaster of any kind. Because <laughs> they do have that locked down, I'll give them that. Um, I really wish we didn't have to do that whole PlayStation View thing to, or whatever the subscription is with Sony to play PS3 titles. Um, but Microsoft Conference, I'm, I'm still curious to see what they're going to show because they're going to have a bunch of exclusives even still, whether it be multi-platform or, you know, exclusive to their console because they have, you know, PC as well, a little bit of their audience. So uh, let's talk a little about Microsoft. What about you? Uh, you big into Microsoft, Tyler? Well, that's the big thing, too. You know, I, I had a 360 for a number of years, so I, I've been a part of the Microsoft fandom a little bit, you know, um, but I'm not really big into them anymore. Um, you mentioned a new Halo. Um, from what I've seen, as far as, you know, people's hints and leaks and things like that, I, I think it is going to be a remaster of some kind. 
but you know I, I could be completely wrong. You know, Microsoft has been very secretive this year. Um, we've seen very little information about what they plan to showcase at E3. And a lot of people, you know, they've they've joked about how you know, oh, Microsoft is going to lose again this year because we haven't seen anything. But you know, it could just be that they're really airtight and they may come out of the gate and really surprise us. So uh, I'm definitely interested to see what they decide to come out with. You know, it may not be enough for me to go out and buy an Xbox, but you know, we'll, we'll see what they have to say. You know, I think that there's a a lot of room for them to to break out again this year. I'll say one thing about Microsoft that I will give them over Sony and other publishers, you look at any racing game out there, and I, I know this might piss off a bunch of people who are in, like, Gran Turismo or, the, or Drive Club or something, but, man, Forza is a gorgeous game. It is beautiful, and I can see why people love it so much. I mean, personally, um, I've played, like, a demo of the game at, like, a GameStop, and, oh, it, it felt good. It felt good in my hands. I liked the controls. I could see myself getting into that. Again, I probably won't pick up an Xbox, but if I did, they'd have a good collection of games still for me to get at this time. You know, I gotta say, man, you, you really break my heart whenever it comes to the racing games, because I'm a huge racing fan. You know, I play a lot of different racing games, and that was one of the chief reasons why I got a 360, is because I wanted to play Forza with some of my buddies. And, you know, they, they keep pumping out Forza Horizon games, and I really desperately want to play them. Because Sony really is really lacking, other than, you know, some of the uh, Need for Speed games, they're really lacking as far as, you know, racing titles on their platform. Um, of course, you could always buy Microsoft's racing games, you know, like on Steam, on PC gaming, which is what I, I may end up doing eventually, but, but yeah, I agree. I think that, um, you know, they, they could have something good this year. We'll, we'll have to just see what happens. Yeah, I'm going to have to, like I said, see what happens. I don't have much else to say about Microsoft. Do you have any last thoughts on Microsoft before we move on? Um, you know, I really don't believe I do. All I can say is that, uh, you know, if you are a big Microsoft fan tuning into uh, the podcast here, um, I-, I would definitely be tuned in to see what they have to show. Definitely. Let's go ahead and move to the second conference of the day. Now, these next two are uh, pretty late in the evening. I love the trend where they're just like, you may be here for a convention walking around all day, 9 in the morning, you got to be on the show floor, but we're going to keep you till about 10 at night, no big deal. Uh, we got Bethesda having a conference at 6 o'clock Pacific, 8.30 Central Time. Now, that may not be, you know, late for us gamers, but, you know, Grandma and her book, you know, are going to be in the bed right now and missing this Bethesda show- showcase. So, first thing I want to talk about is the fact that We've had all these Skyrim remakes, okay? I want to put that out there. We've had a Skyrim on PS3. We've had a Skyrim on PS4. We've had a Skyrim on VR. We have a Skyrim on Switch. We're going to get a Skyrim again, probably on PS5 at this point in the next generation. Do you think Elder Scrolls is finally going to move forward with their franchise? Oh, I'm telling you, man. I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, you know Skyrim on the iOS 2019. <laughs> I'm calling it here. So if it happens, you know, Elder Scrolls uh, is over. It's just <laughs> Skyrim from here on. But uh, but no, I, you know, Elder Scrolls. Uh, that is a very big title, of very close to my heart personally. I've been playing them for you know years, and I'm a little disappointed that we still haven't even heard a teaser of any information on it. Um, you know, we had a couple years between uh, Morrowind and Oblivion and then Oblivion to Skyrim. We're coming up on, I believe, seven years now. Uh, I think it was 2011 when Skyrim first come out, came out back in, uh, I think, November. Uh, so the fact that we haven't heard anything is a little bit disappointing, but again, that could just be that 
they've had all these other really big titles that Bethesda has been working on the last year or two. So they've been kind of put back on that. And, you know, they've really been putting a lot of resources towards uh, Zenimax um, taking care of ESO uh, while uh, the main um, the main development teams for Bethesda have really been focused on Fallout lately. So I'm, I'm not really sure if we're going to see anything at their conference for E3 as far as a new Elder Scrolls title. You know, me hopeful that they will, but, you know, I, I don't know. I just don't see it this year. I think we might have to wait until 2019 before we get any information. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, personally speaking, if they have a new Elder Scrolls title come out, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. The new, what, Summer Somerset came out for ESO, I think, recently. Uh, this week, actually, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so Bethesda's definitely doing stuff. They have that card game um, that they were really... Yeah, that, <laughs> that is a crappy card game. Last year's conference was funny to me because they like put so much investment into their card game. Like, please play our card I, game. I cannot tell you how upset I was. When that rolled around, because I was like, maybe this will be the year that we get the next Elder Scrolls. Just a teaser, just a trailer. Give me a title, something. But no, have our crappy little card game. Please buy our card game and play it. It's, it's I, I don't know. I don't when know. it goes to card games, I'm, I'm big in like Magic or the Gwent, the Witcher card game. Uh, but Bethesda's card game, you know, Hearthstone, all this other stuff they try to sell you. It's just not my style, honestly. Mm. Not a big uh, card person, personally. Um... But we still got Fallout 76 coming out. You know, we might play with your buddies this time around. How cool would that be? Yeah, I, I'm not really sure how to feel about that just yet either. Um, you know, going back to what I said before about you know it being quite a few years before you know since we've had an Elder Scrolls title, it doesn't really feel right to me that we just had a Fallout game released three years ago and now all of a sudden we have another Fallout game coming. I'm a Fallout fan, but I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. I'm not sure what to think of this new game because they've been pretty quiet as far as how this whole multiplayer function works. You know, some people are speculating that it's going to be like another ESO, but with Fallout skinned. You know, some people are thinking it's going to be an actual RPG with multiplayer elements, and some people are even going as far as saying that it's going to be kind of like a Battle Royale, you know, Fortnite-esque kind of deal. Oh, Lord. But, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not really sure what they're planning on doing with this, but uh, I'm interested to see what comes from it. I'm definitely going to look into the content. I'm going to say this clearly into the microphone. We don't need another Battle Royale. Please. Let's just let's just get past this craze. Can we not do this anymore? I don't know why I didn't get into it. I wish I had. I wish I understood what the craze, crazy people are into. But I just, I never got into it. And it makes me sad because I feel like I'm missing something very critical about life. When I see all these people talking about Battle Royale is everything. And I don't want to talk too much about Battle Royale, but Fallout 76, if it comes out and it has a good launch, then that's great. And if, if, remind me if I'm wrong about this, but didn't you platinum Fallout 4 on your on your PlayStation profile? Uh, yeah, actually, um, I have the uh, the platinum for both Skyrim and for uh, Fallout 4. So, like I said, I am a really big fan of the titles, and I, I think that they do a really good job of you know building you know the universe, building up the kind of the ethos of the different titles that they have. Um, I'm not sure what exactly, again, like I said, that they're going to do with Fallout 76, but if, it, if it's on the at least on the same level as Fallout 4, you can bet that I'm going to pick it up. So you're, you're not only just a critical, you know, fan of the franchises of the, the studio, you've put your time into it. You've earned your platinum trophies. You've given them the time and money to say, hey, I, I've invested in this. Please take my suggestions. 
and I can respect that entirely. What are your thoughts coming out? Uh, did you play the first Rage? Because I personally did not play the first Rage, so the trailer, when they announced it, um, I'm sure this will be a 2019 title. I don't see why it wouldn't be pushed back to 2019, honestly. But what are your thoughts on the new Rage? Well, you know, I'm not really sure what uh, what we can see as far as a release date. Um, Rage, I played the first one briefly. I didn't ever finish it. But uh, it, it was an interesting title. I'm definitely going to be looking into Rage 2 to see you know, kind of what the whole hype is about. I've seen a couple of different forums where people have been going absolutely nuts since we got the leak for Rage 2. Um, so I, I think, like you said, we may not see the release date for it come up until maybe you know quarter one of 2019 but who knows they might they may surprise us with a christmas release um and and, you know kind of expanding on that idea too of um you know the the idea that uh rage 2 was leaked bethesda has seemingly been throwing out a lot of information you know fallout 76 rage 2 of what they're going to have at their conference but I'm kind of wondering if the reason why they're doing that is because they've got maybe one or two other really big titles that they're kind of trying to hide by saying, hey, look at all this exciting, shiny things, while we actually have this really big project that we're going to just save for E3 to be released. And I don't know. I'm really excited to see what Bethesda brings to the table this year. So are you suggesting a new IP from Bethesda? There's a very good chance there could be one. Um, you know, they had the, uh, the whole thing with uh, Starfield. That was their big uh, patent that uh, people came out, the patent for the name. And they have been looking for some new... Um, you know, developers for multiplayer functionality and for um, a, lot of, a lot of other things, really, um, on their website. So I'm kind of curious to see if maybe they've been kind of building up a team to work on multiple different projects. And if that's the case, we may see it, you know, Starfield, whatever that may be. That could come out this year. Uh, or they may pull a, a gun on us and uh, throw out something completely random. I mean, they, I wasn't expecting them to make Doom whenever that came out. So, you know. That game was brilliant. That game <laughs> and, was brilliant. And, and speaking of Doom, you know they, they they might be working on the sequel as we speak. Oh God, do I hope so? And, that uh, was brilliant. Absolutely, I hope so too. That that was another game that I platinum. So gorgeous. Um, Even on the Switch, if you go back and play it a second time, gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Bethesda put so much work into their games, and you know what? I'm gonna say it. My first E3 prediction of the podcast. Bethesda, you remember that old game from Microsoft that got canceled, Scalebound? <laughs> Scalebound. <laughs> Bethesda stole the property, took it, they're working on it secretly, they're going to re-release it as a Bethesda title, Scalebound by Bethesda, let's do it. Oh, that'd be funny. I don't know, I'm still holding to, uh, you know, Skyrim for the iOS. That was my system seller. <laughs> I was going to buy an Xbox when they announced Scalebound, that looked dope. I was ready for that game, and I was actually enough hyped to spend, like, what, the $400 it takes to buy a console these days, and they just scrapped it like it was just garbage, and I'm like... No. Radio silence for me at that point. You know, which is really a shame because, you know, like I've said, you know, I do have a little bit of fanboyism when it comes to Sony, um, but Sony is really marketed for exclusive titles. They've marketed for their big RPG games, story-based, story-driven games, and Microsoft's really been kind of, you know, below the fence on that one. They've had a lot of multiplayer games. Uh, They focused a lot on Halo and some of those titles, but... They really haven't brought anything impressive, at least in my opinion, to the table with that. So, I'm like I said, you know, I'm not a big fan of Microsoft, but I'm I do hope that they bring something good to the table this year. You know, just really for nice. our uh, you know our our gaming brothers and sisters, so they have something fun to play. Exactly. And can we please say this? It's 2018. We're done. 
bring crossplay. Okay, we don't need none of this separation. Just give us crossplay. We'll all be happy. They're doing it with what Fortnite on the mobile devices and the Switch and everything coming out. I mean, we're gonna see it happen on Rocket League. We're gonna see it happen on other games. This it's 2018. Let's do crossplay. Bigger servers, more players getting together, making friends. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Devolver Digital. Now, this is their first conference at E3. It's a smaller studio. You may know them for Hotline Miami or possibly like Sword of Ditto just came out recently. I didn't personally pick that one up, but it did catch my eye. Um, I don't know much about this studio or what they're going to be announcing as far as a new IP or why they're having a conference. But Devolver Digital is going to have a conference at 8 o'clock Pacific Time, 10 o'clock Central Time, pretty much right after Bethesda. Yeah, I'm not really sure what they're going to have to show us this year either. Um, you know, some people have speculated that there may be like a Hotline Miami 2. I didn't play the first one, so I couldn't really say whether, you know, that's a viable prediction. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I am interested to see what they, you know, come in with. Um, like you said, this is their first conference with E3. So they may have something impressive to show us, or, you know, it could be one of those, you know, one, one of those one-time flops. We'll have we'll to see and see what they can do. I don't know. I'm always rooting for the underdog. I feel like if Devolver Digital has something to say, they're going to say it, and they're going to say it loud and proud. Maybe not like Ubisoft with the language, but they're going to say something, and it's going to be a good time. I'll be there. I'll tune in. Uh, let's go ahead and transition over to Monday. This is going to be a very interesting day for for the conferences so let's let's go ahead and delve into this one oh, no you ready doubt. for this oh yeah and this one's probably going to be the longest segment so let's go ahead and get rolling <laughs> so monday is going to be a little bit lengthy for conferences there's going to be four conferences this day so we're going to break this into two segments here for you we're going to start off talking about square enix here their conference is going to come up at 10 o'clock pacific time at 12 o'clock central that's flat noon in the flat state of kansas um so they're going to have a couple of big titles. Now, I don't want to be the one to say this right off the bat. First thing in the same, but Kingdom Hearts 3. Give me a <laughs> god darn release date. Okay? I'm going to say it right now. Square Enix, fantastic. Fantastic game. Well, Come you know, on. Just to kind of, you know, get you a little bit more hyped up on it, I'm not sure how reliable this information is, but I did see that Target, uh, they did have a small leak um, where they had a release date set for Kingdom Hearts 3 uh, mm-hmm. for November of 2018. Yeah. Early, early November. Yeah, I've seen that. So, you know, again, I'm not really sure how reliable that information is, but Target and Walmart both being big merchandisers, they have made mistakes like this in the past that have turned out to be true. So we'll have to see what happens. But I'm right into the hype train with you on that one. I've played all the other Kingdom Hearts games, so it, it's time. It's time for Kingdom Hearts 3. Didn't they just give out a demo at, like, the DX3 Expo for Kingdom Hearts 3? Like, people are playing the Toy Story level. Yeah, and, yeah. And I'm like, if you're letting people play the game, you have to be at the point now where you're ready for a release date. Is this the year I get my Kingdom Hearts fix? You'd hope so. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I've seen a lot of videos and teasers that they put out there for the game. You know, like I said, they've seen the uh, the Kingdom the uh, um, Toy Story levels that they have. Um, it looked like they have another uh, return to uh, the you know, Hercules, Mount Olympus, and all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, great stuff, yeah. Um, and I'm really interested to see what they tweak as far as the different abilities and things that Sora has. It looked like there was like some new kind of um, like 
NPC companion like power that they were doing. You know, he like made. I'm some... honestly curious about that myself. I want to see what they're gonna do with the new levels, the new, uh, the new keys, all that cool stuff they're gonna do with the franchise. And and what what's your right off the bat? We'll put you on the spot. New world in Kingdom Hearts three. Pick one. What do you want to see? Well, it is uh, Disney, so Star Wars. Star Wars. I want a lightsaber keyblade. I know that sounds goofy, but you know what? I'm a Star Wars hey, nerd. Goofy will be there. I want it. And he might have a lightsaber, too. You're not wrong. Goofy could. He's not going to do nothing to help you, but he'll be there. Yeah, who knows? Maybe Donald will be a little Sith because he never freaking <laughs> heals you. <laughs> hey, if they put Star Wars in Kingdom Hearts, I won't complain. Honestly, don't they have Big Hero 6 in there now? Um, I believe so. Or Wreck-It Ralph, something like that? Yeah, I actually think both of them are going to be a part of it. Okay, um, so they can really pull from a lot of IPs. You know, Disney is, like, monopolizing the market almost. They're, like, buying up everything. And that really gives their franchises room to grow and, like, collaborate. And that's something that we couldn't see like, or say, like, ten years ago. And so I'm curious, honestly, to see what they do with this game. And I don't think they're going to... Even if we get an announcement, I don't think we'll ever know the full, like, levels until release. Like, how many there are. I, th I think so, too. And, I, and just to throw this back out there, too, another new world that we're going to have is going to be from uh, the Tangled movie. Right. Which is one that I, I personally am a little excited for. I know, you know, you know, guys and, you know, those kind of movies. But it, it's a cute movie. It really is. And I'm really excited to be able to be into that world with those characters. So we'll, we'll kind of see what happens with that. But I, I agree that we're probably not going to know the full scope of the game until we actually get it on the shelf, go pick it up, and put it in our system. I feel like the most we're going to get this year is we're going to get a new world, a new cutscene with that world, um, like with the Monsters Incorporated, you know, you get a little bit of gameplay, and then we will finally get a release date. I don't think we're going to get, like, box art with the release date. We might see, like, a special edition after the fact, but during the showcase, they might not do that until after the fact. But I do think we'll get a new world explored, and we'll get a new gameplay trailer, we'll get a release date, and then from there we're going to be like, well, there you go. Yeah, I'm thinking so, too. Because, I mean, Square Enix, they've always had impressive conferences. You know, in my mind, from what I've seen them post out for their games, they do a good job of keeping the really juicy bits hidden and, you know, giving you just enough breadcrumbs to keep you moving. We've been hearing about Kingdom Hearts 3 forever. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. uh, here, you know, here we are right on the cusp of release, and it's really getting people hyped up online. I'm seeing people go absolutely nuts over it. So. And I will say this... Uh, Square Enix, uh, just recently, they're finishing up um, a couple of their titles. They got Shadow of the Tomb Raider. That game is about to come out now. And then we also have Project Octopath Traveler coming out for the Switch. It's a Square Enix Switch exclusive coming out this summer. And I'm, I'm very, very excited about that. And I'm just not sure exactly if maybe the fact that they're finishing up Project Octopath Traveler, Shadow of the Tomb Raider is coming out, and they're just stuck now on, what, the Final Fantasy VII remake, which will come out in 10, 15-something years, I don't know, <laughs> when our kids have kids, you know, I then Kingdom Hearts three, and that game will come out, and then, hey, a whole new generation <laughs> can just explore the old world. Yeah, you're not wrong. And like you said, you know, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, that's one that I... I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Um, I'm not going to get it for quite some time. I know, you know, like you and I, we both recently started going for the Platinum for the first Tomb Raider game on the PlayStation 4. Mm -hmm. um, so if I do end up getting the game, it's not going to be until I've at least finished the first two. Uh, the story, at least. Yeah, at least the story. Uh, preferably get the Platinum for both of them first. But, you know, we'll just kind of see how that goes. Um, if 
Final Fantasy VII, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because that is one that I am super excited about. One of the biggest, you know, franchises that I was into when I was a kid was Final Fantasy. You know, I've played any number of them, and I'm excited to see just how good it turns out to be. We've had little teasers, and we've had little tidbits of information about it. Um, the look of it by itself is just phenomenal. I mean, it, it looks like it's going to be a very gorgeous, very visually appealing game. Uh, but I'm really wondering if they're going to stick with the the old turn-based style of gameplay, um, or if they're going to be transitioning more into kind of the Final Fantasy 15, you know, more action-oriented, sped-up style of combat. And they're going to go by episode, correct? It's going to be very episodic? Uh, I believe that is the case, yes. So they are going to be uh, having a, sort of an episodic release for their title. Which I think will get it out there quicker <laughs> yeah. for the fans who want to play that. Hopefully, man. I've, I've been uh, really excited for it. That's another game, just like Kingdom Hearts, that they mentioned a long time ago. and People have been waiting for it, but you know, we just haven't seen much of it yet. So hopefully the E3 conference will have some new trailers or something. Absolutely. You said this about Bethesda, and you've always been a fan of them. You've platinumed their games and stuff. I'm kind of the same way with Square Enix. I've never really played a Square Enix game that I haven't been really into. And I know I say that because I'm big into like JRPGs and the big open world experiences. So like 3DS, you know, Nintendo platform, um, they put like Bravely Default, Bravely Second, a bunch of other titles. You know, Kingdom Hearts 3 coming out. I play Tomb Raider. I just love Square Enix and what they do with their games. Um, I mean, if you just recently look at Near Automa, I think it passed like 1 million copies sold now at this point. And it's just a gorgeous game. It's because the studio... That, that really puts work into the games. They show the love and the passion and the care for the, the player when you when you see those experiences unfold in a world as massive as the ones that Square Enix makes. So I'm just overall a huge fanboy of Square Enix. In this conference, I'm going to be sitting in my chair rocking back and forth giddy with excitement for the release date of Kingdom Hearts 3 and also <laughs> for the release of other titles. And maybe, who knows, a new IP perhaps. Oh, most definitely. And, and you know, like you said, I'm, I'm really excited for what they have to show. They've always really impressed me with most of their titles that they've put out. Um, I've, I haven't really been disappointed by anything that they've released, so I'm really excited to see where they take these new titles and you know some of these sequels that they're putting out. I think that's E3 this year, uh, not just Square Enix, but for all the rest of them, it's, it's going to be a really exciting year. You know, it's funny you talk about disappointment because this next discussion we're going to talk about, this next conference, you know, they're always hit or miss, am I right? We're talking oh, about man. Ubisoft here, all right? Their conference coming up Monday, 1 o'clock Pacific, 3 o'clock Central. Set your watches. It's going to be an experience because they're either a flop or a win. I think last year was a pretty good one, actually. I'm not going to lie. It was a pretty good show. Um, they drop a couple F-bombs. People laugh. And we have a good time. Uh, the year before that, that was kind of a cringe. But I hope that 2018 is the year where they really shine because one, I'm talking. You're talking to a guy who's platinumed Assassin's Creed Origins to its fullest entirety, beating 100% of the DLC trophies, taking the tour of Egypt in its entirety. I spent hours and hours in that game. I think I put like over 100 hours. I'm like max level. I so invested time into that game, and I would I would spend more in there if they gave me more content because I was. Really big into the Assassin's Creed franchise. I mean, The Division, I mean, they're coming out with a trailer for The Division 2, okay? I'm going to be honest here. The Division was a fantastic game when it launched. And then when I stopped playing it after a couple of months and they did those content updates, I didn't really get back into it. But Assassin's Creed, Ubisoft will always have me for that. And the fact that they're coming out with a new game, possibly titled Odyssey, 
Come on, is there a coincidence in this? No, you know, I, I I'm in the same line of thinking with that too. Ubisoft, it's it's always been a love hate relationship with them. They they put out a lot of good stuff, and then some stuff not so good. Um, some stuff comes out very buggy. That's just to be expected of a Ubisoft title at this point. Which you know, that's not something that any developer really wants to be known for. But you know, it is what it is. Um, you mentioned Assassin's Creed. You know, I also got the platinum for Origins. Um, I still have yet to play the last DLC for it. I need to get back into that. I've just Brilliant been, story. I've just been distracted. But, you know, this new one that they put out, you know, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, that's supposed to be kind of like a, an ancient Greek kind of setting is what I'm what I'm drawing from it. So I don't know how exactly that's going to relate to uh, Bayek's story. It could be something that happens, you know, paralleled with his story where you play as you know, his wife, or you play as, you know, another character that may have known him. I'm not I'm not really sure how that's going to go. I'm hoping they really kind of delve into, like, you know, the Spartan city-state. That's something that I've really loved from history itself, so I think it'd be cool to see that in a game form. But um, I, I'm not really sure where to go with that. Uh, the Division 2, like you mentioned, I got to the Platinum for the first Division game. It was pretty good when it first came out. Um... The Dark Zone and some of the PvP multiplayer elements of it were a little bit shaky, in my opinion, at the start. I did enjoy it. Um, I'm not sure if this is a title that I would be willing to buy as like a day one kind of situation. I would have to wait and see how exactly they've improved upon the last game. Um, but, but it looks like it may be a pretty good title. We'll have to wait and see what the trailers and things like that look like. But, and, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. They did a really good job with the last one. Now, I can't personally speak for this, but I did not play Beyond Good and Evil, the first one. I didn't have a PlayStation 3. Apparently, it's like some kind of massive story and great game because people have been flocking for a new one. And last year, they did announce they're coming out, Beyond Good and Evil 2. Uh, are you at all interested in this title? You know, I'm, I'm not really sure how I want to feel about that one. Um, from the uh, trailer that they put out for it, it does look... Interesting, you know, same as you, I haven't played the first one, so I couldn't really, you know, draw off of that experience, but it's one that I would be willing to look into, absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, when God of War came out, right? Sony has their conference coming out uh, Monday as well, we'll get to that in a minute, but uh, I was always torn, like, do I buy God of War, or do I go back and play God of War 3 Remastered? You know, I wanted to kind of experience Kratos before God of War. People said... It's a good entry-level point, you know? Like, just go ahead, play God of War. It's fun. You know, I've also told it was a fairly easy platinum, but, you know, that always appeals to me as well as a gamer. But I still wanted to experience the old version of Kratos, so I went back and I played... I made the decision to play God of War 3 Remastered on Titan difficulty, because I'm crazy. And let me tell you what, man. Holy crap, is that hard. That's a <laughs> difficult game, and you got to be a certain kind of gamer to get into that. But... Let's just hope that uh, with Beyond Good and Evil 2, uh, getting back to Ubisoft, that it's going to be a, a kind of a good entry-level point. I mean, some studios can't really do that because it's based off of a story, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I'll get into this later with other titles like The Last of Us Part 2 or whatnot. You just got to play the first one. Like, you have to engage, engage in the first one to understand that world, that environment, that, that kind of setting that the game sets with a tone, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what I like to do a lot of times whenever something like that happens where I'm in that kind of situation is if I don't have access to the original title for whatever reason, if I don't own the system or whatnot, uh, I will go back onto YouTube and I will find 
cutscenes, and I'll go onto wiki pages, and I'll find synopsis of the story, things like that, so I can at least familiarize myself with the world that they've built, uh, and still have enough background knowledge that I can understand what's happening. I, th I think that's probably what I'm going to have to do uh, with Beyond Good and Evil. Um, like I said, I haven't played the first one, so I don't really know if it's a very heavily story-driven game that's going to sequel into this mm -hmm. one, or maybe this one is set in the same universe, but it's just, you know, unrelated as far as the story. Uh, I don't really know. Exactly. But. That's why I love about wiki pages and YouTubers doing playthroughs. They do some of the work for you, because, like, sometimes you don't really want to go out and pick up a PlayStation 3 or a 2 or whatever just to experience a game that you can just find online with a synopsis. Now, it won't be as engaging, but it will get you caught up, and that's always great for a gamer on a budget. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, that's one of the biggest things, too, is, like you said, the budget. With E3, especially this year, you know, I say this every year, but it's going to be a really big year for gaming. You know, people are going to be really torn on what they're going to purchase, um, especially for us uh, <clears throat> Sony fans, because we have all the games. But uh, <laughs> uh, there's, there's going to be a lot of us that are torn between, you know, two, three, maybe four titles. we got to decide what we want to play the most. So there's going to be a lot of competition for each individual developer at their conference. They're going to have to come up with the most showy presentation, the best trailers, the best intros, to really draw everyone's attention if they want to make a solid profit, you know, in the first month, first year of their release. All I need is a live orchestra in a special edition. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I am the sucker they want in the audience. <laughs> hey, man, if you, you know, if you enjoy it, you know, that's why they put the stuff out there for. You know, they're making money, but a lot of those special editions, they have art books, they have soundtrack CDs, you know, they've got posters, all, all kinds of really cool merchandise. And if you're a fan of those games, you know, you want to have everything that, it, you know, comes with it. So I completely understand that. Speaking of that, back to Square Enix, they have the best special editions I've probably ever seen in the gaming industry. Some of the games they come out with, like like the Bravely Second uh, special edition, had an entire like fully encased hardback art book with like 200 pages of concept art, a soundtrack. It, it was overwhelming how great they did on that. And I'm, I'm just always proud of the fact that uh, some developers, they just they take the investment to put some something extra in the package, you know, to get you as a fan to spend an extra $10, $20. And I, I can madly appreciate that. I really hope that that trend continues here going into 2018. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, like, like you said, going back to Square Enix, this is one point that I didn't make before. Um, aside from everything else, aside from gameplay, aside from, you know, functionality of the multiplayer aspects of their games, everything else, Square Enix kills it with their soundtrack. Every game that I have ever played from Square Enix, their soundtrack has been beautiful. Absolutely. Uh, Final Fantasy XV is one, a newer one you know, that I really reference a lot, and really Final Fantasy in general as a franchise, but you know, I would listen to those soundtracks just in the car, just jamming out. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> so it's really cool whenever they do those little things like that just to give you a little more incentive to spend that extra 20 30 bucks. Last thing I want to ask you before we move on to the next segment. So speaking of Square Enix, do you think we're going to get a new uh, title in the Final Fantasy franchise before the remake of 7? Or do you think that we're going to hold off on that with 15 having all those content updates? You know, I'm not really sure. Um, I think that there's a very good chance that they could release something. I know they have you know, multiple teams working on different projects. Um, the team that's been working on Final Fantasy 15, um, 
the way that that game is set up. Now, of course, I don't like to spoil anything when it comes to reviewing and talking about these games, so I'm not going to go into what happens in the game. But I will say that there's a lot of speculation that there is going to be another Final Fantasy game following 15 uh, that is still set in that same universe. Now, like a 15 too. Mm-hmm. Now, like a lot of people, you know, as people who play Square Enix games and Final Fantasy games specifically, they know that each individual Final Fantasy game is kind of set in its own universe, quote-unquote. You know, final events that happen in one game, you know, they may be completely unrelated. Think of it like it's on a whole other planet, almost. So, for them to make another direct sequel game, you know, kind of like Ten and Ten Two, um, there's a lot that they could do with the story and with the characters that are in Final Fantasy XV. So, me personally, I'm hoping that's the case. I hope that they do put something like that out there, and who knows, you know, they may have something like that at their E3 conference, or maybe the E3 of 2019 they may have something. Um, but it looks like we are going to have a bit of a wait for 7. So I think it's going to be a little while they have enough time that they could release another title in between. Just let me drive the Regalia with all my upgrades, and we're good. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I love that at the end of the game. I'm telling you, man. Whenever I'd love Regalia's to upgraded. That. So. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and move into the next segment of Monday. we got two more conferences Monday going on, and we're going to jump right into that. Coming up next Monday is the PC Gaming Show. It's going to be at 3 o'clock Pacific Time, 5 o'clock Central Time. Now, personally, I don't know much about this showcase. They haven't really said much, or I haven't found any information about it. And I don't personally have, like, a, a desktop PC for gaming. I stick to Sony and Nintendo. Um, but uh, I'm not sure. Are you, Tyler, into the PC gaming scene? Uh, you know, I haven't been for quite some time. Um, I am interested to see what the PC gaming show is going to have on offer. Um, you know, just to kind of give you an idea, some of the presenters that are going to be taking part in it, um, Crytek, uh, they're going to be taking part. Um, you can look out for uh, Oculus Rift. They're going to be having some kind of a showcase. That makes there. sense. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what they are going to do with that. You know, the Oculus Rift and VR and all that kind of stuff. I've always been interested in, but not quite invested enough to spend money on it. So I would like to see, you know, their progress and see what kind of things they can come up with. So that could be something interesting. And uh, one other little thing to point out, too, is that uh, apparently uh, Sega is going to have some kind of thing going on. But, um, you know, I, like I said, I, I don't really know too much about it, so I can't really expand on it very much. During the PC gaming conference, Sega's going to have something to say? Uh, correct, yes. Uh, from what I've seen, that looks like they are going to be one of the presenters there. So I'm, I'm not sure if that's them in partnership with another company doing something or what exactly that could be, but, you know, that's just something we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, it definitely tickles my fancy. I'm definitely curious now to see what Sega's doing at the, the PC gaming show. Um, but moving forward on to the last conference of Monday, the one that pretty much everybody's going to be waiting for, the one that I'm personally uh, waiting for, is the Sony conference, Okay. 6 o'clock Pacific Time, 8 o'clock Central Time, set your watch, throw your radio out the window because you're not going to need it. You're streaming this live. You're going to want to see the whole thing. All right. We got Sony talking about the four big pillars of games. All right. And and, and I'm going to get into this, but give me one second here to explain. They've been doing teasers all week. E3 is at the point now where it's not even a week. It's two weeks of content. They're getting us little teaser trailers, little intros. We had that Days Gone trailer. What did you think of that Days Gone trailer, by the way? I wanted your opinion on this because I personally 
thought that it kind of pulled back from my excitement of the last trailer I saw um, in the later half of last year because it kind of pulled it away from what I thought the plot was and gave it a more of a story-driven adventure, which I'm into, hardcore, but it just wasn't what I expected to see out of a trailer. You know, speaking on that, um, you know, I've always been a big fan of story-based driven games as well. Um, I'm not really sure how to feel about that one just yet. It's one that I've been keeping an eye on since it was first teased. Um, I, I've always been a big fan of like the whole zombie post-apocalyptic kind of settings mm-hmm. and things like that. I think that it's one that, um, like you said, the hype isn't really there for it. But I am interested to see what they bring to the table as far as you know, trailers and new release information. So hopefully they really expand on that this year. But, you know, I'm kind of on the fence on it. Yeah, definitely going to see what happens. Now, they did announce February 22nd, 2019 for that title. So we won't see Days Gone in the last quarter of the year. We'll see it coming up quarter one of 2019 which is probably for the better because people usually are kind of relapsing from their christmas broke i have some money in my pocket again oh. and then they can pick up days gone at that point oh, as their you, next title my wallet's going to be in recovery mode until like july <laughs> it's a long time man you're so, gonna be from e3 to e3 just broke pretty much man pretty much oh my god yeah it's gonna be a good time though because honestly the, the way that they're announcing games it's gonna be like even though you're broke you got something to do with your broke butt you know you yeah, got exactly. all these games to play you know, Sony has, you know, joined the chat party, play some Spider-Man, you know, have a good time. What, they're announcing a new costume for Spider-Man at E3, right? I'm yeah, pumped for that. Yeah, from what I've seen so far, they have uh, that, like, punk Spider-Man suit, and they had the uh, the Iron Spider oh, suit. Oh, yeah. Um, which That's sick. One thing that I'm really excited for with that, uh, I'm a big comic book fan of Spider-Man, so I, I know a lot of these cool suits and stuff. Um, some people are thinking that we're going to see, you know... Maybe the suit from um, the newest movies, his regular suit. Some people think that's going to be the new one. Or maybe we'll see the Venom suit. Oh, I would you like know. the Venom suit. Um, there's a lot of different things that could come up with it. But either, either way, I am really excited for the new Spider-Man game. I think they picked a fantastic voice actor for him. Uh, his name's Yuri. Uh, he's done a lot of uh, like, like anime and a lot of things that I've watched. So I'm really excited to see him take on the role of superhero video game. I think it'll be really cool to see how he does it. And Insomniac Games is behind uh, Spider-Man this time around. Uh, yeah, correct. And, uh, you know, Insomniac is another one of those uh, developers that I've always, you know, kind of had a special place for. They were the ones who made the old Spyro games on the PlayStation 1. And, I, you know, I've always loved those games. They have always had a really close place in my heart. So I'm excited to see what they do with this new do you, uh, the fact that they've teased one of the villains, or two of them technically at this point, do you like the the villains they've gone with so far, or are you expecting a certain villain to show up that you want to see as a fan favorite? You know, I'm actually not really sure what they're going to do with it. I mean, in past Spider-Man games, they've done a pretty good job of showing off some villains. They've had, uh, like, Rhino. He's been a big one in some of the games. Um, Black Cat, uh, which she's not really a villain necessarily, but you know, she's a big recurring character. I think that it'd be cool to see some more obscure characters. You know, I like one of the things that says coming up in the newest Spider-Man movie, a lot of people have been teasing that uh, we're going to have uh, Mysterio, that he's going to be a big part of it. Uh, he was in Spider-Man 2, I think, on the PS2 or PS3. Um, so it'd be cool to see him take part in it. And uh, you know, who knows? There's, there's, a, there's a lot of people they could draw from in that, you know, that universe that it'd be cool to see. 
this might be the Tobey Maguire fan of me, but I want Dr. Octopus. Like, Doc come on. Yeah. That was a killer movie, and I love that performance, and I love that character. I just want to see Dr. Octopus wreaking havoc downtown, taking your sunglasses and, and crushing them. You know, I want to have some good action. Yeah, you know, I don't really know. I mean, like, I, I feel like Doc Ock might be a little bit overplayed. But it would be cool to see him added in there, and maybe we can get some, you know, some Green Goblin, Hobgoblin action. But you know, only only time will tell. I, I'm hoping that them making this new Spider-Man game is going to kind of set a precedent for future Spider-Man titles that they keep rolling with this, and it isn't just like a one-off. If all else fails, he'll be the next Lego Spider-Man. Oh yeah, there you go. That's something you can look forward to. <laughs> I'll get my dream sometime. <laughs> but one of the other jokes they're going to have is Spider-Man is going to come out. Also, let's go ahead and talk about Ghosts of Tsushima. All right. Oh, so This excited. game, I hope I said that right, Ghosts of Tsushima. Yeah, I'm saying go, that uh, right? Ghosts of Tsushima. Tsushima. I apologize. This game, Sucker Punch, fabulous studio, known for Sly Cooper, different art style entirely, new story-driven game. The, the, the trailer they gave us last year in the interview, that really lengthy, actually, very in-depth interview, did a really good job at convincing me this game is going to be good. Now, this is the year they're going to probably give us a release date, and they're probably going to give us some final footage, you know, like a cutscene from the game, an intro, you know, a synopsis, something, more than just a general story, and I'm really interested in this game. Yeah, I have to say that uh, Ghost of Tsushima is definitely the one that I'm most excited for out of the big four pillars that Sony's releasing this year. You know, this is something that, you know, through different podcasts and things, people are going to, you know, come to know about me, is that I'm, I'm really big into Japanese culture in general. Um, you know, I read up a lot on Japanese history. You know, I love, uh, you know, samurai and just the overall, I guess, aesthetic of Japanese culture. And, you know, I'm a really big anime fan as well. So, I, you know, I'm really steeped into it. So getting to play a character uh, in Ghost of Tsushima, uh, dealing with the Mongol invasion... Um, I think that is going to open up a lot of avenues for great storytelling. I think that uh, if they do it right, it, it could very well be a big contender for Game of the Year. So I'm, I'm really excited to see gameplay, especially is the big thing, of course. You know, if the gameplay is shoddy, then even with good storytelling, you know, it may fall short. But I, I think it'll be pretty good. I'm, I'm expecting it to be kind of a, more of a stealth-driven kind of title, not so much action-y. It kind of looked like from the trailers and stuff that you're going to have options as far as character building. Uh, like, what I mean by that is it seems like there's more, like, you know, stealth and, like, you know, more ninja kind of abilities that you can do. Uh, and then, of course, there's the actual, like, warrior combat type abilities. So it would be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. See, uh, I know you didn't mean it this way, but I thought of For Honor when you said that. And I know <laughs> yeah. you didn't mean it that way. You kind of mean it more, like, in the sense of, like, a uh, singular story-driven style, not like a, a skill tree, right? Uh, yeah, and what I mean kind of more with that is think of it kind of like, um, you know, I guess just to go with it this way, like uh, Neo and some of like the Dark Souls-esque titles. I know I'm not not comparing it to Dark Souls. That's a big thing that people do. Hey, everything's compared to Dark Souls nowadays. But, uh, but what I mean by that is that you can kind of build your character to your particular play style. So if you prefer to go in, you know, swinging, guns blazing kind of, Play style. That's me. That's something that's a yeah. That's definitely you. I'm in the front um, <laughs> lines. Give me a big hammer. I'll go boom. That's a, that's something that you can do. And then it seems like there's more like ninja or like maybe even like magic kind of you know you know on the. You're getting me hyped for this. So, we don't even know this is gonna happen. <laughs> so that that's just what it seemed to me as someone who's you know steeped in the culture that is, has viewed the trailer. That'd be so, dope. 
Um, we're we're going to have to just kind of wait and see on that one. But like I said, that's the one that I am most excited for. Well, you know, something else with just so much mystery coming up in the Sony Showcase is Death Stranding, you know? <laughs> yeah. The fact that Norman Reedus is going to be part of this, what, Kojima? Come on, this is going to be... This is a weird game, okay? Uh, <laughs> like, you watch the very first trailer, and then you watch the most recent trailer. World's different. You don't know what's going on. Why is there a baby in this dude's throat sucking his thumb? What's with the black and the invisible? And the story, it captivates me. I want to immerse myself in this world and get scared. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure what to expect from this game. Because, you know, I, I'm a really big fan of Kojima. You know, I've played a lot of the old Metal Gear games. And the thing with this, though, is that this title, Death Stranding, is going to be Kojima off the chain. You know, Konami has always been really micromanaging him in a lot of different ways whenever he was working with them. Uh, I am actually very happy that they did have their falling out. Um, obviously, I feel that he was disrespected in a lot of different ways, and I think that the fact that they moved forward and made that new Metal Gear game, Metal Gear Survive or something like that, I think that was a travesty, to be honest. I, I'm not going to go too into that, because I'll get really heated. The beta was a little iffy for me. <clears throat> but, I couldn't understand um, it. But I'm, I'm definitely excited to see what he can do, because this is him fully taking the reins. He's got no one to answer to, and he's making something weird. <laughs> <laughs> so you can say that again I, i'm really excited and, and of course you know norman reedus um you know i'm a really big fan of him as an actor uh the boondock saints walking dead things like that he's he's an excellent actor so seeing how he's a human being too yeah he, he really is he's, an, he's a really Standard nice guy. guy so i'm excited to see how he how he does in this role so. absolutely uh, the one thing i like about it like you said is how weird it is <laughs> yeah. like it's a cross between super weird and super terrifying. Like, I don't know if I'm going to go into this game and be blown away by how beautiful it is or by how horrifying it is. And that's what grips me the most about this title is how how split I am between my emotions and how I feel about this. Speaking of emotions, though, I do want to bring up The Last of Us Part 2, the last big four-pillar title that Sony has going on at the conference that we know of. When we, when we left, uh, Ellie and... And her, it's, oh my gosh, this game, Joel, like, what's going on? It's taking place years later, and the world is crazy, and we had this almost depressing music video type new teaser trailer, right? Mm -hmm. And they're like, just dead people. And this transition, I'm just like, what's going on? I feel like this is going to be a tearjerker. This game is going to just make a grown man cry. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure what to think of that one either. Um, I, I did enjoy the first Last of Us title. Um, it seems like with his new title, Ellie is quite a bit older. Um, and it seems to me that this may be a title where we have our send-off for Joel. I think that this is going to be the last time we see him. If there's a third title, I, I don't really know how that's going to go. But I, I feel like we may end up having to deal with the loss of favorite characters so that's going to be really emotional i think and it's also going to be something that's really going to shape ellie as a character and it'll be interesting to see you know how a young girl like that who has grown up in this world is going to respond to different things whereas joel he was already a you know young and middle-aged man uh, by the time everything started happening um so that, that's something definitely to be uh, to be excited about 
you know, they said the same thing about Nathan Drake on Uncharted 4, and I'm really hoping that Joel gets to stick around because he's a good guy, and defending him in the forest as Ellie was a pain in the ass, so I don't want to have to do that again in The Last of Us Part 2, if I can just be totally frank. I really want his character to stick around. However, with the fact that Ellie is older, I'm wondering whose perspective we will go by. I'm thinking you're right, though, and we're going to go by Ellie's perspective. Something tragic might happen. I don't know what we're going to find out. Well, you know, I will say, even if we don't end up dealing with you know the death of Joel, which is something that I'm, I'm predicting to happen, maybe not at the start of the game. It may be something that happens like halfway through or something like that. But at, at the very least, it is going to be from the perspective of Ellie. You know, she, it's kind of her... In a way, it's always kind of been her story. You know, we start with Joel in the first Last of Us game. You know, he suffers through a lot of traumatic things that happen. Like and, his daughter, for um, instance. So we see him kind of going into this world and having to survive and rely on himself. But it's always been focused on Ellie. You know, her, him finding her and, you know, obviously not going too into the details of those games in case no one's played it. Um it's really been focused on what happens to her in this world. So I think at the end of it, it's very much going to be the story of Ellie, what happens to her, how she finds her way through the world, and how the world shapes her as a person. They're going to make a grown man cry. Probably. You know, I, I'm not going to lie. There was a few moments in the first Last of Us that got me, you know, a little quaky. So we'll, we'll see what happens with the second one. And if they do decide to... You know, give uh, give Joel his curtain call. You know, I don't know how I'm going to handle that. That's going to be really upsetting. We'll, we'll see what happens, you know. But that's the thing about Sony that you love so much, right? Is they do have all these exclusives, all these first-party titles. And they're not just first-party puzzle games or first-party, like, Tetris games. They're literally story-driven, first-party, in-depth games, full cost. You want to pay that 60 bucks to experience this, titles. Oh, absolutely, and yeah, that kind of goes back to the whole thing with the Death Stranding. You know, we don't really know much about it, but with you know the Kojima name and with it being you know flagship with Sony as one of their major four pillar titles, it's something that I'm really excited about. And you know, and just as a little side note too, um, I forgot to mention that uh, Mads Mikkelsen, he's also going to be taking part in uh, Death Stranding. I don't know if he's going to be playing the part of a villain or if he's going to be, you know. I'm not sure how that's going to work because it's very ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he's an excellent actor as well. Uh, he was in uh, Hannibal, and he was also in, uh, more recently, the Doctor Strange. Movie. Right, right, yeah. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see him. And I, I like his chemistry uh, with Norman Reedus and with Kojima. Uh, if you look at their social media, you'll see them taking selfies together and having fun all the time. So it'll be really cool to see that chemistry come through with their video game characters. Um, I think that Sony is really going to seal the show this year. And th- this is just their four pillar games, like I mentioned. There's any number of other things they could surprise us with. Um, you know, They knocked it out of the ballpark last year, and, I, and I'm, I'm expecting the same level, if not more, this year. Are there any other titles outside of those big four you're wanting to see from Sony? Um, not particularly. You know, uh, Sony's always done a really good job of surprising us with things that we didn't even know we wanted. So it'll be cool to see what they come up with. I, you know, I, I'll say that, uh, you know, through Sucker Punch, it would be nice to get another Sly Cooper title, or at the very least, give me a remaster on the PS4 so I can have. 
Yeah, I can agree with that. I was really big into Sly Cooper. Played through those, and they were a really good time. I wouldn't mind a remaster, at the very least, or something new from them. Uh, on top of that, with the Sly Cooper title, didn't they do a four for PS3? Uh, yeah, they did. Um, for the PS3, they actually already did a remaster of the first. Well, the first three is really, uh, really more of a re-release. They didn't do much as far as the remaster was concerned. Um, and then they did come out with a sequel, the fourth so one. So it was which, more of a port. Exactly. And uh, the fourth one I wasn't super impressed with from a story standpoint, to be honest with you. But I think that there's a lot of room for them to improve upon that, A lot bringing back a lot of these old titles that we used to play. Um you know, going off of that too, with you know, we've got uh, the Crash Bandicoot uh, remaster that came out not too long ago, and we do have uh, Spyro to look forward to this year, I believe in September. Um, that's one that I'm super excited about. So, all, you know, I like that game developers are making all these new exciting titles that people can be interested in, while at the same time, you know, going back and saying we have all these other older gamers like us, you know, in their 20s, 30s, 40s that love these old games, you know, how about we capitalize on this nostalgia a little bit and throw them a bone? I'll make and it worth your time. You want Sly Cooper? Have them remastered for the Nintendo Switch. Oh, Crash Bandicoot <laughs> is coming to Nintendo Switch. Well, you and know, I thought I, uh, that was a Sony title with Naughty Dog, but apparently they can do what they want. So why can't Sucker Punch do the same thing and bring Sly Cooper to the Nintendo Switch? Play it anywhere you want on the go. All three titles. Well, you know, and I'm not really sure what happened with that. I think that... There was some kind of negotiation between Sony and Nintendo. Uh, they've always been pretty close, both of them being you know Japanese developers. So I, I think that it would be nice to see them expand a little bit more, uh, get some more third party to the Switch. Uh, I you know like I said, I, I recently bought a Switch myself, so it would be cool to see them adding in some new titles. But we'll just have to see what happens, you know. You know that actually brings me to the next segment here. Let's go ahead and transition over to Tuesday when Nintendo's going to have their Big conference. At closing out Tuesday, we got one conference. We got the Big In Nintendo, nine o'clock Pacific, eleven Central, and yes, my body is Reggie. All right, this conference is gonna be fantastic. All right, we're gonna have Smash release. Come on, we're getting a release date. We have to get a release date. I need a release date. I want a release date. The Smash for Wii U. It was just phenomenal, okay? They added so many new characters, and sure, we didn't get Ice Climbers, but we could compromise because we got Lil' Mac, and we got the Duck Hunt Dog, which essentially is the Ice Climbers of the Duck Hunt Dog and, and the Duck. But whatever, they couldn't add it into the game. We got other characters. We got, you know, Cloud. Cloud was a fantastic fighter. We got Shulk. Some people are bomb as Shulk, and I'm trash, but that's the beauty of Smash Brothers, is you can hit random, play as a Wii Fit Trainer or Peach, and just kick butt. And I love that about Smash Brothers, the one fighting game that's got a diverse fan base of people who will range from, I'm a hardcore player, I only use the GameCube controller, to I use the Pro Controller. I knew a guy who used the Nunchuck with the Wii Remote. I was like, how? Just didn't understand it. But he was good. He was good. He was a pro player. So, obviously, he was doing something right, felt good in his hands, and he could whoop me. That's all I can say. I mean, obviously, I don't play avidly but i am gonna buy this day one excited for that one that's the big focus nintendo has we do have the splatoon 2 you know octo expansion coming out which is a massive single player expansion splatoon 2 is particularly large in japan um there's it's got a big following in the west but for the most part it's definitely a big japan title 
And I personally bought Splatoon 2, but couldn't really dive into it too much. I'm not sure exactly if you're big into Splatoon. I know that you don't have Splatoon for your Switch just yet. Are you thinking about picking that one up with this expansion? Does that tempt you? You know, I'm thinking that I may end up looking into it. Um, you know, like I kind of mentioned earlier, I just recently got a Switch. Um, so in a sense, I'm you know, kind of popping the Nintendo cherry. I, I'm not really too into it and too knowledgeable about it, so there's only so much that I can really contribute to this particular segment. But I am interested to see what Nintendo has to showcase. You know, with me owning a Switch now, I definitely have incentive to start buying Switch, uh, you know, Nintendo ID, you know, consoles and different uh, Nintendo titles. So Splatoon 2, I think it's something that I'm definitely going to be looking into and I do have a couple of other games that uh, I, I would like to buy that are already currently out. So we'll just kind of have to see what happens there. We're going to play it by ear, essentially. Yeah. I'm probably going to hold off on the Octo expansion because the big game I'm playing right now is ARMS. I'm big into ARMS. I want to bring that up because ARMS, if you've noticed, came out last year with the Switch being launched. And, and I haven't seen many content updates recently. We've gotten some character updates. We've gotten some map updates. And they're still doing, like, the Party Crash updates. Like, they're a lot of fun. I'll go online, swat a couple people, and then, you know, get off. I play casually. But I would really love to see a year two update for ARMS to where they have a whole new role. Like, maybe five or six new fighters for the year. Uh, five or six new arenas based on those fighters. Really dig into the lore. If you go on Nintendo's website for ARMS, there's actually a backstory for every single character and how they relate. They added an art gallery that has even more lore. They have top-secret photos you can unlock with points in the game that give you a, an in-depth, like, created world that I just want to know more about. And the fact that I personally am, I'm looking more, I'm meaning Lollapop right now. I'm really big into Lollapop. I like Master Mummy. I was digging a little bit of Springtron. Uh, it just kind of varies what I do. But, I mean, I love the characters and how kind of, not wacky, but just individual they are. Well, you know, based off of that, uh, what would you say is your favorite character? Even if you don't aren't that great at, at that character, what, what would you say is your favorite? Max Brass. Max Brass, yeah. He's I like, just love his attitude. Yeah, he does kind of have that big, you know, larger-than-life comic book kind of, you know, superhero kind of feel to him a little bit. So I can kind of see how you get that. Um, I'm going to say this for everybody out there. I just love the way he says, Brass! It's <laughs> hilarious. Brass. It is hilarious, <laughs> and it gets me every time. Yeah, you know, I, I'd say for me personally, um, it, it's going to be a toss-up between either Kid Cobra or Ninjara. Uh, you know, that could stem from, you know, my big interest in Japanese, you know, ninjas and samurai and that kind of stuff. But I, I just love how fast-paced those characters' play styles are, and that's just the kind of fighting style that I like. Um, that's one of the arms itself is the big title that really got me to buy a Switch. You know, there's a lot of other games that I eventually plan to buy, but I am hoping to see some new fighters in arenas, like you've mentioned. At least, you know, maybe two fighters. You know, some, give me something. You know, something to keep me playing the game. Uh, we did both take part in that uh, that last event that they had. The party crash. Um, for the party crash, yeah, that was a lot of fun. So I think moving forward, I'm going to start taking the time to really, you know, participate in those. But, uh, but yeah, that's that's definitely something to look forward to. Hopefully, we'll have something concrete coming up. It's very humbling when you play by yourself. And you think you're just hot stuff. You're playing level four, you know, story mode, getting to the end, unlocking character art, and then you hop on a party crash and get whooped by the single kid Cobra in one match. And I'm like, what's going on? Maybe you're not as hot as you thought you were. It really keeps me, you know, 
up to date on my skills. It makes me want to try harder to, to learn the tactics, to be better at the game. And I can only blame myself or possibly lag for why I lose. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's always a lag, isn't it? Every <laughs> single time. Yeah, the uh, the kid Kid Cobra's a little beast, man. So you got you got to watch out for that. You definitely got to be careful, with Kid Cobra. Any of the fast characters, like you mentioned, uh, what the ramen girl? I forget her name. Yeah, I can't, uh, uh, I thought it was like Min Min Min. Min, Min thank Min. you. There it Min, is. Man, ramen girl. <laughs> People <laughs> mocking me right now. Probably probably Ninjara, are. Ninjara, Min Min, Kid Cobra, very fast characters. Like even even Spring, you know, he's yeah, good. Yeah, Spring, he's pretty fast. Yeah, Spring's pretty good. So Ribbon Girl's a good character as well. I like her I quite really a bit. Played, I haven't really played as her much. I'll her extra jump kind of gives her an edge. Does it? I really like it. I I really like Misango um, with his different uh, like abilities and stuff. I think that he's a really fun character. He's a trickster. He is. He really is. And if you're not careful, he can mess you up. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that, that's one game to look forward to for sure to see some more information on. I know that we did get a teaser, uh, I think it was last year, for uh, Metroid. Uh, is that something you're looking forward to playing? Last year, Metroid for Prime, because this is the Prime series we're going off of. So Metroid Prime from the Wii, if you could think that far back um, on that console. Some people skipped it. so It's been a while. Maybe not everybody's played it. All we got was a logo. We didn't get a release date. We didn't get a year. We got a single picture with a logo. <laughs> And Nintendo was smart because everybody like like Just lost, lost it. it. Like <laughs> their socks were against the wall somewhere, you know. And I think back to your Bethesda thing with Elder Scrolls. If they did that, just a logo. Yeah, that's all I need. Well, heck, that's even enough. like a new soundtrack and like a symbol. Like you know how Skyrim has the dragon symbol. Mm-hmm. Just an Elder Scrolls Six symbol without an Elder Scrolls name. Just music and a symbol. People would be like, what? I mean, and, you know, that's my thing is like with us going, you know, just kind of sidetracking to Bethesda for a moment. Um, you know, with the Elder Scrolls titles, I would be perfectly okay with just getting something like that. I know the game is coming. I know that they're going to make another Elder Scrolls game. But you kind of get a little bit disheartened whenever it's been years and you've heard nothing at all. So I hope that they, they throw me a bone. Just something. Skyrim came to Switch. If Elder Scrolls Six comes to Switch, would you get it for your PlayStation or your Switch? I think that um, I would probably end up buying it multiple times. Uh, you know, people always give Bethesda a lot of flack for releasing Skyrim so many times. And, and I do agree, for the most part, that they, yeah. they need to hold back on that. But I will say, I bought Skyrim on the PS3 when it came out. I have uh, the Skyrim Special Edition on Steam that I bought. Um, I got Skyrim on the PS4, and I also have Skyrim on the Switch now. So I have bought the game multiple times because it's you know, it's enjoyable for me. You know, I have fun with it on the computer. Uh, you know, I can really mess around with some of the really good graphic enhancement mods and things like that. You know, my big purchase reasoning for the PlayStation is I you know I like to get trophies. You know, I, like like I mentioned before, I'm a really big trophy hunter. So being able to get the platinum and all those trophies. You know, that, that was a good investment for me. I think it was worth it spending that money. So when the new game comes out, I think first and foremost, I'm probably going to buy it on the PS4 or PS5, I guess, whenever it comes out. At this point. Uh, so that way I can get trophies for it. Uh, but following that, I wouldn't mind getting it on the Switch for the same reason I bought Skyrim on the Switch. Being able to play it on the go is a really big motivator for me, saying, you know, I could pull it out whenever I'm at like a family get-together or I'm on the bus. You know, I can play it whenever I want to. And then, of course, I will probably get it on the PC as well. So, 
we'll just have to kind of see where that goes. But I do plan on spending a good chunk of money on it, so you're welcome, Bethesda. <laughs> you know, speaking of playing on the go, you know, Yoshi's coming out with a new title. And, yeah, I think uh, I heard something about that. It was announced last year at E3 that they're working or in the process of making a Yoshi 2019 title. Um, now, it wasn't Yoshi 2019, it was just called New Yoshi Title. I'm saying Yoshi 2019 because it's not coming out this year. No. I don't think it will. You don't think I so? I think that they've mentioned Pikmin 3, and they've mentioned like F-Zero or Star Fox, and I feel like they're going to focus on their other franchises first. They're going to tease titles like Metroid and Yoshi, and then they're going to push them into the, the quarter of the year, quarter one, when their market's better. Think of when Kirby Star Allies came out. Very convenient time in the spring. I had a little bit of extra money, and as a Nintendo fanboy, I chose to pick that up for full price. True, but I mean, another thing to take away from that, uh, even for some of the other conferences too, is that one of the biggest times of year for you know video game releases and for people to buy video games is November and December. You got Black Friday, getting prepared for Christmas time. So we may see some of these titles that we've talked about on this podcast today. Um, we could see some of them around the Christmas release date, that kind of window. Uh, but I do agree, a lot of the games we're seeing will probably end up uh, pushing into the We've already got a lot of games to look forward to as it is for the fall. Like I mentioned earlier, we have the, Sky Re or the Spyro remaster. Um, we got Red Dead Redemption 2. That's going to be a really big one. Just, just a lot of games to look forward to as it is. So, for the sake of my wallet, I'm kind of hoping that some of them do get pushed to 2019. That's true. And honestly, uh, Smash Brothers, they've already noticed, they've already said this, their big focus is Smash Brothers. So they're going to probably have the GameCube controller announcement, they're going to have character announcements, they're going to have a trailer announcement, they're probably going to focus at least 20 to 30 minutes of their press conference or their Nintendo showcase, they do the video presentation normally. Um focusing on Smash Brothers, and that's fine with me because every time you see a Smash trailer, you can't not enjoy it. They do the cleverest character intros. Remember when Pac-Man got introduced to Smash Brothers? Nobody saw that coming, and nobody expected him to be a good character. But people are out there throwing fire hydrants at their enemy and winning, you know? And that was a brilliant introduction to the franchise for, for Pac-Man and the Namco cooperation. You know, and just as I got a little side note, you know, I know I'm going to get a lot of flack from this from the heavy Nintendo people, but I am not a fan of the uh, the GameCube controller. I get why people who play Smash like it, but I, I just don't like it. I don't know. I feel like the GameCube controller is more for, like, the competitive scene. People who that. played it way back on the GameCube, essentially. Mm -hmm. And they want really to have started, that. Right? They, they know that layout. They know that controller. It feels good in their hands. And they feel confident. You know, every time that a new console comes out, the controller changes just a little bit. Look at a PlayStation 2 controller and a PlayStation 4 controller. Well, to, or, to be uh, fair. a Nintendo NES and a Super NES, you know? They like to kind of innovate and update their controller layouts. Well, and, you know, to be fair with that, though, Sony is really, really intelligent as far as, you know, their overall makeup design for their console and for their controller. They, they really live by the, the idea that you don't fix something that isn't broken. So from the PS1 all the way up to the PS4, we have seen very small enhancements. 
you know, different things to make it a little bit more comfortable to hold, you know, the uh, inclusion of the touchpad with the PS4 controller, uh, and of course, obviously, wireless functionality and things the like that. The weight of the controller. Um, and some motion capabilities as well. So they've definitely added new things to it. Uh, but overall, Sony has been pretty um, pretty consistent with their controllers, whereas, you know, Nintendo is probably the most extreme example. Uh, their their console controllers have <laughs> changed drastically. You look. I at think the, the uh, Wii era was the strangest. Yeah, I mean, you got like the the NES and all that. Um, those were good controllers. Um, then you go to the Wii, where it's literally just like a like a stick in your hand. In that control, <laughs> like nunchuck, you could plug in. Yeah, that was de- that was definitely weird. Uh, th- I did like how they had like the little gun, like you could put. The they thing had in. a clever idea there because they had the whole like you could plug something into the nunchuck section, and they made attachments and they milked that. Third party had a good time with that. Yeah, and they really did. I did have a good time with that. I think the Wii and the Wii U were a good time. You know, people, I feel like they felt the Wii U was just kind of playing off the Wii. And yeah, I wasn't a big fan. I of the really Wii U. loved the Wii U. Fantastic console. I'm actually not upset when I hear Nintendo, you know, remastering games for the Wii U and bringing them to 3DS or bringing them to the Switch. Hopefully, we'll see some of those. I would be very okay if on Tuesday we find out that they're remastering a couple of 3DS titles or they're remastering a couple of Wii U titles for the Switch. Well, you know, and that's actually a good a good point that I wanted to bring up as well. Uh, since you're more into Nintendo and more knowledgeable about it. Uh, do you think we have any big expectations as far as titles coming to the 3DS for the handheld? Well, they have already announced that there's going to be a Wario Party collection coming out, um, which I'm big into the WarioWare games. Those mini games are fun. I personally really wanted a new WarioWare Switch game. I feel like with the motion and the uh, the Joy-Cons, and they could have made a really fun game. Um, I do think that the Wii uh, had a good Wario game, but... I feel like they need to just go ahead and just not make this 3DS tile they're making because it's a collection. And I don't know why they're busy making like Mario Party 100 collection for the 3DS and, and the WarioWare collection. Games like that, the party games, the interactive games, the Nintendo consoles have no, have always been known for playing with your friends, playing on the go, being you know interactive and social. And I want that engagement with my friends. I want to go to my friend's house and, and shake my Joy-Con and pick my nose faster than my enemy, you know? And, <laughs> and, and I love how goofy and, and like gross Wario is, you know? And I want to play that on the Switch. And I feel like Nintendo is just kind of missing an opportunity there by making that WarioWare collection. I know that Luigi's Mansion was announced. Uh, they're remaking the original Luigi's Mansion from the GameCube for 3DS. And they're Ooh. planning to support... The 3DS until 2019. They're like fully through 2019. They have a whole set of launch titles coming out, and it's very exciting. But the more I think about it, like when I get my stuff together, I'm going out with my friends. Do I want to stick my Switch in my bag, or do I want to stick my 3DS in my bag? Do I want to stick both in my bag? Definitely not, because it just feels like it's too cumbersome to have two consoles with you. You don't have more than two hands. Why do you need more than one console? You know? Yeah, and you know, I think that's. I think that may be one small thing that. Nintendo may have overlooked when they were making the Switch is just the sense that, in a way, they're almost competing between the Switch and the 3DS as far as sales and things like that go because people who go on the go, you know, they're not they're not, like you said they're not going to bring their 3DS and their Switch. Yes, they are committed. You know, most people are going to pick one or the other. So I mean, honestly, to play devil's advocate, you're playing Pokemon Ultra Sun Ultra Moon right now, mm-hmm. but you're really big into the new. Project Octopath Traveler, or Mario Tennis coming out here on the 22nd, right at the tail end of E3. Mm-hmm. 
you know, maybe you want to play, you know, a little bit of Mario Tennis with your friend. You're going to his house or whatever, taking the bus, you're driving. But at the same time, you might want to have a Pokemon battle. And until 2019, you are not getting a new Pokemon, like full Pokemon title. Let's go Eevee and let's go Pokemon. It's going to be a little bit separate, I think. Um, so I'm not going to count those just yet. I want to see more. Hopefully we'll, we'll get a trailer to go more in-depth with that at E3. Yeah, and I'm really glad that you mentioned that, actually, because, you know, I, I've always been a big Pokemon fan. Aside from, like like I said, I'm not a huge, like, a Nintendo buff, uh, but I did always really enjoy the old Nintendo handhelds and things like that. So, like, the original Pokemon games, I played all of those. And I like the fact that for the Switch, they're starting to come out with Pokemon titles. Um, I know that uh, Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, uh, both of those are supposed to be kind of almost like a remaster of the original titles. Uh, you'll have the original 151 Pokemon, plus I believe they said one other new one um, that they're adding in as well. Plus so, the transferability with Pokemon Go. Yeah, that that'll be a big thing too to have like they have like the Go Park or whatever. Where but you can just bring as them a in. disclaimer, if you catch a Pokemon in Pokemon Go and you transfer it over to the Switch version of Let's Go Eevee or Let's Go Pikachu, you cannot retransfer it back to your Go. Yeah. So it will be stuck. So if you have like a strong Pokemon, you're a big player, you go to raids, all this cool stuff. I'm not personally big into Pokemon Go. I dropped off of it after about four months. Got up to level 15 before I dropped off. Um, and all the big updates happened after the fact. I don't have strong Pokemon. So if I go into my Pokédex and I'm like, I got the first gen Pokemon that came out in the game first launched. I have no problem taking them to my Poke Park. But at the same time... I was told it's going to roll your stats, and I don't know if I feel okay with my stats being rolled like that because uh, of them being random. And I also don't know what the Poke Park really is or how beneficial it is or how the co-op works because if it plays the way they're advertising it with a friend, it makes me wonder if it's a social game or a single-player game. Like, what can you do single-player that's going to make it fun? Yeah, I'm not really sure either. And, you know, going with the whole Poke Park idea... I believe that it's going to be something where it's really more like a fun social thing. It's not so much that bringing Pokemon from uh, Pokemon Go is really going to be beneficial to you. It's really going to be something more like, okay, I have this awesome Pokemon that I got in Pokemon Go, or, you know, this Pokemon's really cute, so I want to put him into my park, and then I can just go visit him. You know, I don't think it's really going to have any big, you know, story or gameplay implications as far as what Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee already offer. Um, as far as the multiplayer, I'm not quite sure, again, like you said, how that's going to work out. I Part of me thinks that it might just be something where you can um, hop in and then you, you know, the second player plays as kind of like a support. Uh, or maybe it could be something where you, know, you bring in your Pokemon that you have in your party into your friend's world and then you just run through the world together. You know, there's any number of different possibilities. But I, I, either way, I'm really excited for it. I, I love the original... You know, original Pokemon games, you know, and people could say, you know, the whole uh, the whole issue where some people are too obsessive over the first gen and, you know, they reject the other ones. I'm not like that. You know, I like all Pokemon, but it's, it's kind of nice to get back to the roots of it, you know, and I'm excited to play it. Honestly, as long as I can battle my friend in a friendly game or a friendly battle, you know, team battle, 1v1 rotation, I loved all of those versions of the battle systems. As long as I can do that with my friends... I'll be pretty much happy with that. And if it is a full remake of the first Pokemon title with Eevee and Pikachu as your companion, and hey, I'm all for that. I didn't play the original Pokemon. I actually started in 5th gen with, I believe, black and white. 
So I'm all for playing some of the early titles. I'm all for evolving those titles to have the ride Pokemon, the updated systems, all the new things on top of it just updated. I'm okay with that because I'm not going to go back probably and play the old versions if they're going to be remaking a lot of the new versions. Yeah, and you know, I, that's one big thing that's going to be kind of a big divide between Pokemon fans is that, you know, like for you, like you said, you started Gen 5, you know. Whenever I started playing Pokemon, watching the old shows and things like that, I started Gen 1 from the very beginning. So I've seen a very drastic change between what Pokemon in its essence originally was and what it has become at this point. Whereas where you entered into it, you know, you've always kind of been able to experience these newer abilities and new things like that. So, you know, our perspective may be a little bit different whenever we look at some of these titles. But um, I, I will say that a lot of the new things that they're adding in and bringing to um, the Pokemon game, I'm excited for. Like uh, the Commanding Pokemon. Uh, that was always a big thing. I always wished that in the old games I could do that, have somebody ride, you know, on my shoulder, that kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, having a Pokemon follow you from behind, that's kind of nice. Uh, it'll be nice that we don't have to have the uh, you know the HM slaves anymore. <laughs> I used to load up like two or three Pokemon with all the HM moves so I could use Cut and Waterfall Man, and all that kind of stuff. Mudkip. Yeah, yeah, that was always a real big pain. So I'm glad we don't have to worry about that anymore. I found a shiny Mudkip one game, and I, I didn't want to give him any of my HMs, so I didn't do it, and I suffered most of that game. I had to swap out Pokemon constantly, mm-hmm. which is just a real big pain, you know. Uh, one thing that I'm a little bit iffy on that I'm not sure how to feel about just yet is the, the capture mechanic for wild Pokemon. Um, it's good in the sense that you there are no random encounters anymore for this one. Uh, whenever you walk into the tall grass, you can see the Pokemon, and then you can initiate in an interaction with them. You don't act, you don't have to run through and get attacked by it's 20 Zubats. It's kind of like Zubats. a JRPG system. Kind of, yeah. Kind of, yeah. You don't have to run into, like, 20 Zubats in a cave before you get out. So that, that'll be really nice, but... I don't know how I feel about the capture mechanic being the same as Go, where you flick the Pokeball. I like the idea of battling a Pokemon to weaken it and then catching it. So, you know, I i don't know. I'm, I'm all on the fence on that, but I'm definitely still going to play it. Um, I'm going to get the Pokeball Plus. Yeah. I'm going to throw that like a wee little lad <laughs> in the grass for the first time trying to catch his Mudkip. I'm going to have so much fun with that. I hope to goodness it doesn't sell out the day they announce it. Probably coming up on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm probably going to get that, too, just because that would be a big nostalgia factor for me, uh, being able to you know, use an actual Pokeball to catch my Pokemon. Just and to, then it could hold a Pokemon. Just as kind of a side note, uh, if you had to pick one Gen 1 Pokemon, the one that you're going to have in your party, who would you go with? Gen 1? Gen 1, your favorite. Of the original 151 Pokemon. Man, that's a, that's a hard call, man. That is a hard one. You know, I, out of the 151, I, I did start in Gen 5. Remember that. So That is true. The Pokemons that I enjoy are the later Gen Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Like, Greninja is, like, my go-to Pokemon. Honestly, if I had to pick one. I am a big fan of Darkrai, and I'm a big fan of Volcarona. And those are both mystic, what, mythic Pokemon or event Pokemon, eventually, yeah. essentially. Yeah, those are all mystic. So, I don't think those even count as the 151. Uh, no, they do not. Uh, so. They will not. So, like, the original 151, that would be, you know, like, uh, um, like Dude and uh, some of the old, like, Pikachu and stuff like that. Uh, so, if you don't have one, no big deal. Uh, for me, personally, uh, my favorite has always been, um, like, Ghastly, his evolution line to Gengar. 
uh, even through the later generations of Pokemon 5 and up and everything, he's always been my go-to, just because I just love the movesets that he gets. So I'm really excited to get my hands on one when the new game comes out. I might be inclined to say Ponyta. The more I think about it, I really like Ponyta. Ponyta's a good Pokemon for sure. I'm really interested, um, it's kind of to, to segue away from um, Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, uh, they did say that the next actual entry in the Pokemon series is going to be coming out in 2019. Uh, later in 2019, if I'm not mistaken, either uh, the third or fourth quarter. Probably the end of the year. So I'm really interested to see what they do as far as uh, setting and as far as, um, you know, if, do you think that we're going to get like another big increase in the Pokemon roster? Like they're going to throw another 100 Pokemon? 150. Another 150? 150. We're going to get a floating chair that evolves into a bus. Floating chair? I mean, hey, we already got jingly keys. and. <laughs> Have you seen some of the newest Pokemon? And to yeah. just top it off, they're like, let's stop and add a Lolan forms. Yeah, that, that that's one thing that they're adding into and now Let's Go forms. Pikachu and Eevee, too, is that they have the Alolan forms in them as I will well. say the Alolan Raichu is, like, fantastic. I, I'm not really sure how to feel about it. I mean, I think that the Alolan stuff... The setting is great. I love the setting of, you know, that. And I love the newer Pokemon that they added with that generation. But I also am a little bit iffy on some of, the, like, the form changes to certain Pokemon. And, you know, again, this kind of leads back to uh, me being originally starting out with the uh, the first generation of Pokemon, you know, like Mega Evolution. That was never a thing. So having that added in, I'm still on the fence on it. I know everyone else is probably like, oh, you're just a, you know, a Gen 1 or whatever. But um, th they're interesting, I think, but I'm just not really big on the whole gimmicky change. I think Pokemon likes to evolve in the competitive scene. That's and that's thing. what they were mostly doing with that, and the Alolan forms, and like it changes your defenses and your attacks and your speed, essentially, and kind of gives you something new to kind of strategize. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. I mean, you have... And I'm more of a casual player, so I don't really dip into the competitive side of Pokemon. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the same way. I'm more of a, a casual player. I'm not into the big competitive scene either, but they do have to cater to that competitive audience, so I can see why they make some of those changes. But, you know, who, who knows? It, it'll be interesting to see what they do with uh, the newest game. So. Now, with the Switch uh, being their big focus, and they're going to, of course, focus on 3DS titles as well, um, there's a rumor going around that they're going to have new hardware. Um, you just buy your Switch. I bought my Switch day one. Uh, I'm a fanboy. Um, if they came out with, like, a Nintendo Switch XL or a different bundle where... Um, the Switch came without the dock, and it was like uh, 50 bucks cheaper or something. Because in Japan, they came out with that bundle where it's just the Switch. There's no dock. Um, essentially, would you think that's a smart move on Nintendo's part? Or do you think they need to kind of monopolize on the fact that this is a brand new console and it's actually selling well, keep it at the same price? You know, I, I don't believe that they should do that. Um, you know, that was a big thing that came up with the uh, the original DS and 3DS, you know, how they had, like, the 3DS XL and things like that. You know, I, I get why they're doing that, you know, like the 2DS and everything. Um, I understand why they wanted to release it, because they're like, well, people will buy it for the bigger screen and whatnot. But, you know, like you said, I just bought a system, so it's like, you know, I'm not going to turn around trade it in and spend a whole bunch more money just to get a slightly bigger screen or some small thing like that. It's like, I think they should do a more 
they they should have more focus as far as uh, like what games they're bringing to the system. They need to really focus all of their money and development into that. Are you gonna dip into the online paid services they're gonna do coming up in September? Because if you remember, they started off the first year online play is free. So we've mentioned that we play you know Arms online together, but like what if we want to play? Um, in the future, we end up getting, like, Pokken or Splatoon 2 or Mario Tennis has online community or Mario Kart 8 has an online community. You know, you're going to have to pay that $20 mm-hmm. a year. Plus the new Pokemon games as well. Exactly. That's probably going to have some sort of online features with it as well. Yeah. Maybe a Pokebank. Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, and I, I'm going to end up subscribing to the service, uh, mostly out of necessity, being able to play multiplayer games, but... You know, I also don't think it's too much to ask. I've seen a lot of Nintendo fans that have complained about the online functionality not being free. But it's like, you know, I, I you know I have a PlayStation 4. Uh, I've always had Sony consoles. And, you know, I'm willing to pay the full 50, 60 bucks a year to play online. You know, you're paying for the service for them to keep servers and everything running. So it's understandable that they would want to offset some of their personal cost by having a paid system. That being said, you know, Nintendo's online service is only going to be, I think, $20. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, that's $20 for the entire year. That's, that, you know, that's milk money. You know, I, 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 you know, I'm not trying to make myself seem like I'm a big baller, but I think I can afford $20 a year. So I think it's reasonable. I think they're going into this with a good mindset. We're going to have to upgrade and keep up with the market. And they're going to start doing some cool online features to give back for those who are paying for it. I believe they're going to be, like, remaking some old games and adding multiplayer functions. And we're not exactly sure what's going to happen with, like, the, the catalog of, like, old-school games because there's a selection a big group of people who want, like, the classic Mario games, the classic NES games, you know, like a remaster, you know, an arcade collection. You know, on the Wii U, the 3DS, you can buy old games. And people want to have a, a collection out on the Switch as well. So hopefully they bring those back as well. I am hoping that the Switch sells phenomenally this holiday season. So I'm really looking forward to their press conference. I'm really looking to see... If Reggie's going to show up, what they're going to do. Uh, they did a goofy puppet show a couple of years ago. They did a really good show last year. I'm really excited for what they're going to do. And I'm honestly, I could sit here and speculate Smash characters all day and night. But at the end of the day, I already know we're going to get a Dark Souls fighter. And <laughs> yeah. that amiibo we're going to get for Dark Souls coming out, it's going to be multi-purpose. Yeah, that will be pretty cool. That's and, uh, my prediction right here. And like you said, you know, we could uh, expand on this for... Any number of time, but we've uh, definitely put in a lot of time into our Nintendo talk. So um, I think that uh, the biggest thing is just we're going to have to sit back and just get ready to see the conferences. I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready for Nintendo. I'm ready for Iwata and everybody just uh, to just <clears throat> show us what they have. Mm-hmm. All right, so now that we've talked <laughs> pretty thoroughly, actually, about Nintendo and the conference coming up on Tuesday, again, at 9 o'clock Pacific... 11 o'clock Central. Make sure you set your watches for that one. It's going to be an early one. Nintendo likes to keep things early. Remember, it is Japan, so the time difference is going to give us a little bit of a difference there. It sucks people in California on the (laughs) East Coast, uh, or West Coast, rather. I apologize, because they're going to be getting up real early. But let's go ahead and transition over to uh, the last segment of our, our show tonight. This has been quite the ride. Thank you for listening to this beautiful E3 podcast. It ended up being a good discussion. I appreciate you taking the time, Tyler, to sit here and talk with me about games and, and the fun that is E3 coming oh, up in June. Uh, I would love to do some little fun here at the end here to end off this 
podcast. Let's let's make some predictions. You know, everybody loves hearing a little. You know, this might happen, that might happen, right? So uh, let's take one turn each. Let's do five predictions each, or four. Let's do four predictions. Make a nice round number. You know, I can I can start it off. Okay, so I'm gonna start off with my most outlandish of the four. Okay. Okay. Let's take a trip back memory lane to when the launch of the Wii U happened. What game came out launch day Wii U? Do you remember? You know, I couldn't tell you. Nintendo Land. Nintendo Land. Beautiful okay. game. Most notably, there was a Donkey Kong mini game where you tilted the, the gamepad and you had to, like, control that cart. Mm-hmm. Best game, probably, on that whole platform. Think we're going to get another one? I'm looking for a Nintendo Land 2. Okay. okay. For the Switch. It's got the same motion capabilities, but they could add DLC. They could add more to that, like, cool Metroid mini game. The F-Zero game was kind of not good, but it was fun. And there were a bunch of really interesting ideas and concepts with the Mii characters. And have you have you noticed much use of the Mii characters in the Switch? No, not really, so it'd be kind of interesting to I'd see I'd love to see a Nintendo Land 2. Okay, okay, that's not a bad one. Uh, I guess for mine, uh, this is one that we already kind of mentioned, and this is one that, like I said... We probably won't get till 2019, but I would love for there to be a new Elder Scrolls game. At least a trailer or some kind of teaser peek. Something to kind of, you know, sate my appetite for it and hold me over. You really want six, don't you? I want it more than most anything else that's coming out on the market right now. I want it so bad, but you know, I'm just going to have to wait. <laughs> You're probably going to get Resident Evil 12 before you get... Honestly, honestly probably, man. Probably. <laughs> I'm telling you, Sky, you know, keep an eye out. 2019 iOS and Android Skyrim release. Calling it here. There you go. A companion app or something. <laughs> uh, this next one's not a game so much as it is hardware. And it's kind of predictable. But I'm, I'm thinking they're coming out with some more Joy-Con color schemes and bundles um, for, like, releases coming out. How cool would it be if Pokemon had a, a color scheme bundle with it, right? Or if they announced Metroid Prime 4 or Yoshi and they have, like, a really cool thematic, you know, skin with that. Um, to kind of pair with that, I think the skins would be working with the hardware as well on the Switch. They have the black and the white right now for themes. Um, okay. To tie with that, kind of to go with one, they might add more themes to the, the shop that you could maybe purchase for $1.99 or use your Nintendo points you're getting for buying games. That would be pretty cool. You know, I would love to have some gold Joy-Cons. That'd be I th- fun. I think that'd look flashy. I have a gold PlayStation controller. It's the only one I like so to use. So do I. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. Um, I think uh, this next one is another one that we kind of mentioned earlier. Um, I think that it would be good for uh, Bethesda to put out something uh, in regards to a Doom 2. Uh, we may be a little bit too early for that. Uh, but it would be nice to at least find out some kind of confirmation that they are working on a sequel. I think that would be really good. I would I would be happy. Yeah, for sure. I platinum Doom, and then I played it again. It was fun. Same here, and I would definitely uh, pick up the second one on day one. It was beautiful. I think we're going to get... They've already mentioned that they're working on a Fire Emblem game for Switch, right? Mm-hmm. And the Fire Emblem game for mobile is fantastic. It's probably their best-selling mobile game, honestly. But I think we're going to get some final details for the official Fire Emblem Switch game. I think we're going to get a release date. I think we're going to get a teaser. Now, if we don't get a release date, we're going to get a year. 
but I still count that as a release date because we're going to get, if it says 2019, I'm going to think quarter three. If it says 2020, I'm going to think quarter one. I see that, definitely. Um, well, I guess for my next one, to kind of change gears a little bit, um, I've always been really big into PC gaming and some older games. Um, I love The Sims, The Sims series. I think that uh, there's a very good chance that, uh, because it's you know published through EA and everything, that we may potentially get either a new DLC, uh, like expansion pack, um, information for The Sims 4, or there's even a possibility of them teasing The Sims 5. Uh, you know, Sims 4 is still in its life cycle, so I, I'm not entirely sure if we're going to get a Sims 5 kind of information release. But it would be cool to see maybe some new X-Packs. I know they're recently coming out with, I believe there's a, the weather is one of the big ones, like the seasons. Uh, that's something people have been wanting for a long time. Uh, now, of course, there's no guarantee that we'll get that at E3. Uh, the only reason I mention it is because The Sims 4 is on the PS4, uh, and EA is closely tied into that. So there's always a possibility. But You know, it's one thing we don't really think about very much, is we think about new games, but not content packs or add-on DLC four games already exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm hard-pressing for an ARMS DLC, but outside of that, I don't think too much about what content packs I want for games I currently ex- own. You know, I'd be much cheaper <laughs> in the long run it would, if it they would. just gave it the games we love a longer life cycle. And, uh, you know, speaking of that, just as a little side note, too, you know, we recently um, got a little bit of new stuff for Rocket League. They got the new arena. The Sandy um, Shores. Sandy Shores, and they got the Jurassic Park cars that are coming. So that's pretty tight. Excellent Um, example of marketing. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, um, uh, Rainbow Six Siege, since you did mention that earlier, uh, they did just the other day get uh, two new operators. Yeah, I think Season 3 just started. Yes, I think they were... With Maestro and... uh, What's that? uh, Alibi? Yeah, those are both Defenders, I believe, right? I believe so. Yeah, so it's kind of nice to uh, see companies that, you know, into year three, they're still releasing content for their games stuff so that's something you know we haven't even thought about really in this podcast but we could see a lot of dlc in smaller little packs coming. that would keep me going back to old games and save me a little bit of money in the process yeah for sure <laughs> and i don't have any of this dlc for rainbow six but i'm probably going to dig into that this year because they're doing a good job with that content update yeah i'm thinking so too i played that new map recently fantastic uh, I, i'm going to switch gears off of nintendo here i I could I could discuss Nintendo for yeah you're you're quite the fan the next while <laughs> I'm gonna take a break here I was a really really humongous fan of CG Project Red's Witcher three didn't play The Witcher one or two but I played The Witcher three to its extent I fell in love with that game I fell in love with that world um, I did not platinum that game but I plan on going back and so suffering through the crushing difficulty it's not so bad um, once you get going <laughs> but CG Project Red has a passion for their fan base. People cried out, We love Gwent! So they made it a separate game and a free-to-play game on top of that. Took a minute for them to get it on PlayStation, I'll admit. I mean, Xbox got it first. But when we got it over here on Sony, I was playing it every night. It was so fun. And because of that, my next prediction is a Cyberpunk 2077 reveal. And not just that one trailer like four years ago. I'm talking a full reveal. Yeah, they've really been working on that for a long time. So I bet we could probably see something at E3. It'd be a good time for it, I think. That studio has a big heart. 
And that heart makes big games. And that big game is going to give me a lot of time. Invested hours, hundreds, thousands. Yeah, I was a really big fan of The, the Witcher 3 as well. Um, so that's definitely a title that I would be willing to look into. Give it to me, please. <laughs> uh, well, I guess to, uh, to finish out my predictions, um, I have, uh, mine's is kind of a two-part. Um, I'm predicting, uh, of course, that we get another Red Dead Redemption 2 trailer. Uh, they, re- they came out with one not too terribly long ago, but... Um, with it coming out later this year, it would be the perfect opportunity to give us another good, you know, kind of a final hurrah to get everyone excited for it. Uh, that's another game that I'm definitely getting day one, and I plan on playing extensively. So it would be nice to see that. Uh, the other game, um, we just recently saw a trailer uh, for Hitman 2. Right. Um, I played the uh, the first one a little bit. Uh, the, they had their little uh, demo for, like, the first level. Um, I haven't gone back and actually picked it up yet, but I plan on doing so. Pretty fun. Um, and now, even more so now that I know Hitman 2 is coming, uh, that's definitely going to motivate me to pick up the first one and get the uh, all the trophies for it. So it'd be kind of cool if we got maybe maybe if they expanded on it a little bit more, or you know, who knows? They might just replay the trailer for everyone, but it'd be cool to see. I'd be down with that. Hmm. I think so far some good predictions. Yeah, I, I think, think so too. I don't think we were too outlandish. I mean, I do think it was outlandish to say Nintendo Land 2. But <laughs> yeah. the guy in me who fanboyed over Nintendo Land in the Donkey Kong Crash Course minigame, he just wants it. You know? He wants it. For and sure. you can't, the heart wants what the heart wants. You and know? So, so please, Reggie, my body is wanting that, so give it to me. And I will say, of course, that, uh, you know, for the uh, my Elder Scrolls and Doom predictions, uh, those are games that are definitely coming. Yeah, I, I would it's just a matter of when. I, I would step out and say that those are guaranteed to come, uh, but it could just be a little too early for that. And we may have to wait till the Jumping the gun there. So, but we'll see. You know, we have a lot of ideas, but... And with that, uh, I do appreciate you taking the time to, to listen to this massive E3 podcast. It's It's been... Quite the ride. I've enjoyed talking about this, listening to all of your opinions you've had out here, Tyler. It's, it's just it's good to get a double set of mindset. Oh, yeah. I and, appreciate you having me on. And it's been a lot of fun, and I hope that uh, E3 blows us away. Yeah, and it's we'll be, be back next week for uh, our post-E3 podcast. Um, I might have you back, and we can see what we were right and wrong about. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll have to uh, check my schedule, maybe have my people call your people, and uh, we'll get something set up. In the meantime, how about you let me whoop you in a match of arms? I bring it on. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to the Fat Love Talk podcast this week. If you want to find me online, it's very simple. You can follow me on Twitter at ThePaperPenguin and Snapchat at Fat Love. That's P-H-A-T-L-O-V-E, just like this podcast, Fat Love. I'll go ahead and link in my Twitter, uh, the homie Tyler. It was a good time having him online. I appreciate him being here. If you listen to this, Tyler, thank you again for being a part of this experience. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Check him out if you can. All of his platforms will be linked, and I appreciate it.